Hello, hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 84 of the Hardly Millennial podcast, where we are young, dumb, and full of opinions. <gasps> opinions. That's right. Hello, everybody. Two people with you today. My name is Adam. I'm Matthew. And we are your favorite Hardly Millennials. And to <laughs> we're the ones you're going to get. We're the ones you're going to get today. <laughs> so uh, to open up with, we talked a little bit about this yesterday, but it's been it's been kind of you know kind of in uh, pop culture news, and that is uh, the reactions to the new live action Sonic the Hedgehog trailer. Oh my lord, we watched that yesterday. <laughs> we did, and oh boy. Okay, all right, we could talk about that for a minute. Yeah, you know, let's do let's let's do good. that. So, first what, of all, what do you think? Well, my first initial reaction is what a lot of people's initial reaction was when we saw what live action Sonic looks like, and that is what the fuck. It's <laughs> just. It's a blue hedgehog. It's a blue hedgehog. It's just. It's just not Sonic. It's not the Sonic we know and love. It's, you know, it's really funny actually with all this backlash that's been given for this movie because. The Sonic games, as we know, are like known to just be like janky, super janky, like games. Oh, absolutely! They're frustrating. Mm-hmm. The the controls are whack. So it's, I don't even really know how he became such a, a phenomenon, Sonic. You're right. I mean, but he I, is. People it, love Sonic. It must just be. I feel like it's one of those things where it's like the old Sega, like Genesis games of Sonic, people really enjoyed. Maybe for their day, they were really badass. Maybe well, that's what I, it was. I think that's exactly what it was. I think a lot of people grew up with it. So it's like every single time a new Sonic game comes out, they're like, all right. This one's going to be good. It's kind of like that discussion we had about Star Wars once where I said, like, you know, some guy was like, I had to go see episode one 14 times to decide I didn't like it. You know, yeah. I feel like it's that same kind of mentality. I feel you. It could definitely be that. Where they play it and they're just like, oh, this is so bad. Hopefully the next one's better. Hopefully the next one's better. So I guess it's pretty appropriate that there'd be so much <laughs> backlash on a trailer. I think that what really made the sonic in the trailer look funky uh-huh is the eyes they didn't make the eyes big enough they gave him like regular well that's eyeballs. just it they they try to humanize him too much you know they tried to make him look too much of this like and he didn't hybrid. have the really big shoes he needs to have like gigantic shoes gigantic arms too i mean the whole thing with him was like small body long lanky arms and legs and then you know was a big head that's yeah. always been kind of his thing. And then, yeah, the big eyes, you know, where the eyes weren't ever really separated either, right? They were just, you know. They were, they were almost his whole face was eyeballs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, a lot of the other complaints people have is, like, with his teeth. His teeth just look too much like human teeth, you yeah, know? his whole face is just funky. They just, they tried to make some, like, sonic-human hybrid for the sake of a live action, and it just didn't do well. And but they didn't do that for for Pikachu in live action. Exactly, uh, Pokemon. Well, that's because Detective Pikachu Detective did it Pikachu, right. Yeah. You know, it's like, and I was talking about this yesterday, where when you're making a live action of something like Sonic the Hedgehog, 
It's like you're already suspending so much disbelief watching something yeah, like that. Yeah, let's just make him look like just, he does in the game, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, and you can add, you know, more realistic aspects in other places of the movie. You know, they did that with Dr. Robotnik with Jim Carrey playing Kim. Yes. Which he's actually gotten a lot of positive responses. But I'll tell you what, saying a few good things about the trailer. Mm-hmm. The effects look badass. Yeah, I do like agree. when he's running, particularly when he like curls up in a ball and uh-huh. does that lightning ball <clears throat> thing that he, you know, yeah, that looks really badass. Yeah, I agree. They did a great job with those effects. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, everything else other than Hedgehog looked like it was a great Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Yeah, there were of I so I watched this other video today on YouTube of somebody who was just like breaking down the the trailer mm-hmm. and there are a lot of other things that I personally didn't notice up front that I understand now why there are people who have so many issues with it and it's not just the look of like Sonic it was things you saw in the trailer like for example the this main guy that we know is going to be, you know, allying with Sonic at some point. Right, right. You know, they they introduce him at the very beginning as being, you know, a cop, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's a part to kind of the end of the trailer where they tell Sonic to, like, hide in this bag, you know, as they're going into this building. And he uses this, you know, excuse of, like, oh, it's just a child in the bag, Right. Oh, and they and, ask, is it someone, is it their child? Is yeah, he goes, don't worry, it's child. not my child, yeah. right? And so we had brought up something like, okay, so this guy's a cop, and that's what he chose to be this, like, undercover, <laughs> you know, like, his excuse for this undercover mission when he was asked was, oh, I have a child in a duffel bag, you know? It was probably just being cute. I mean, the whole thing, Dr. Robotic was pretty outrageous, well, no, too. I, and, I, and I get the whole it's point. It's supposed of to the, be very cutesy. I get that the whole point in the movie is to be cutesy, but I mean, there you're still, when you're making a movie like Sonic the Hedgehog, you know, you're also appeasing to... You're you're making that more so for the fans that grew up with Sonic, and the people right. who grew up with Sonic are older. But... Another thing, too, was there was that little scene they put at the end where, like, he had all these missiles coming and rockets coming toward him. And then he was able to go so fast where he stopped uh-huh. time, you know, and did whatever, destroyed all of them. Right, right. Well, somebody had brought up, well, the cop walked into a room earlier in the trailer and stabbed him with a tranquilizer. You know, shot him with a tranquilizer and Sonic wasn't able to get away from that one. <laughs> but he, you know? he can escape a missile, though. <laughs> he can escape, like, 50 missiles coming at him at rocket <laughs> speed. Maybe he know? was prepared for the missiles. I guess. I guess. I mean, if we're going to make excuses for him, I guess it's a that's fucking the Sonic excuse. the Hedgehog movie. I All right, know. You're supposed to go and just go, oh, that's cute. That looks <sighs> cool. Check that out. Well, nobody else is, so why should we be any different? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but I di- mean, kudos for them trying to make a live action Sonic. That's not super easy. Yeah. The director came out, though, and said that, like, uh, yo, I get that you're complaining about this, so we're gonna like do a design change. So oh, gonna, see, right on. There so you they're go. gonna completely go and like redesign it for him. Um, Problem but, solved, right there. Boom. Yeah. Hopefully, but, unless he makes it worse. Yeah. I feel like we're starting to see more of these kind of movies come out now, where people are taking these like popular cartoons or video games. Now they're trying to make these live action movies of it. You know, we're seeing that with Detective Pikachu. We're seeing that with uh-huh. like Sonic the Hedgehog now. So I'm I'm really curious about what like what games they're gonna try to do next. I want to see them try to do Mario again because they did Mario yeah. in what like the 80s or was it the early 90s maybe? It was the 90s, yeah. They made a Mario movie, a Super Mario Brothers. I wonder. Movie. Uh, it was a 
I grew up watching it thinking it was a great movie. It definitely but has. But it is regarded yeah, as, as like, not a great movie. Well, it's one of those movies now where I, I think it's kind of the same thing that maybe the Sonic the Hedgehog movie will turn out to be, right? You know, you, you have the people who grew up playing the Sonic games who are going to go and hating it because they have the love of the Sonic games and have an understanding of the Sonic games. Right. But you may have younger people who grow up with the movie, growing up watching the movie, not understanding the, the exactly. inconsistencies that we see. Yeah. And it'll get it'll its bring own a whole little, new breed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Because with the Mario movie back in the 90s, that definitely has kind of a cult following now amongst us millennials where it's so bad it's Dude, that good movie was badass yeah i think both of those actors the ones who played mario and luigi yeah they were great for that role well i think they're both have gone down in history saying that it was like the worst role they ever took in their oh, careers yeah. oh, or like yeah. the worst thing that ever happened to their career which but... is funny because the movie didn't kill their career you know it's one of those strange and it's because george clooney says the same thing about when he played uh batman and batman and robin uh-huh the, like he goes and says like i totally regret doing that movie well not that it killed their career i guess but just that it it was the it was worst just role they ever movie. took yeah. yeah yeah exactly i loved it i thought they nailed it it was a great movie I'd like to see them do another, try to do another live action Mario, but I don't know exactly how you'd, even as from a filmmaking standpoint, I don't know how you would go about doing that. But I don't know how you would go about doing Sonic either. Yeah, if they can do Sonic, they can do Mario. Mario has a much richer story than Mm -hmm. Sonic. You know what I would love to see a live action of? He says arbitrarily. (laughs) You know what I would love to see a live action movie of that I think they could really make? badass and that is like a zelda oh yeah that'd be fucking awesome action dude. movie that'd be awesome oh that would have so much um weight on its shoulders though oh big like time. if they made the ocarina of time that's, they what, did a movie. that's what i've wondered i'm curious because i i feel like we're gonna see that in the next 10 years i think we will see oh, a they better do a good zelda. job well th- and that's what i mean so first of all, I wonder, would they make it a separate story or would they make it like, would they take one of the games like Ocarina of Time and say, we're going to make this particular game into a live action? Well, I personally, being someone who grew up playing Zelda mm-hmm. since the Ocarina of Time and even before that, you know, uh-huh. I would like to see them remake one of the stories that was already done. Yeah. Not a brand new Zelda story. Yeah. But I would imagine that they're pro- they would probably make a new Zelda story. That's what I think the smartest. Because I feel like if you did something like like if you made a live action of like Ocarina of Time or really any of the Zelda games, mm-hmm. I feel like that's not something you can cover in like a movie. You know, so if you did Ocarina of Time, you'd have to like well, span it out and you, just you have think to you send them to a movie? couple different temples. Give them a bow, give them a slingshot, have some music. It wouldn't be that tough. But with all the temples and little side stories and side quests and Ocarina of Time, you think they could span that down into two and a half, hours? It would half, just be the hours? main storyline quest. Mm. It would just be the Gandalf thing. Gotcha. Like him. Go- so he would, yeah, it would just be that. You would see like the Gorons and you would see the the fish people. You know, it would basically just walk us through each of the characters, what mm-hmm. they look like, have a loose story involved. And that, I mean... What else can you do in two hours? True. Right. Would you rather see Link talk or have him do it without him talking? Ooh. Yeah. Do you think they could do it without him talking and have it still be good? Um. Well, shit. I didn't even think about that. That's one thing I've always thought of if they did a live action. Link doesn't movie. talk. Link doesn't talk. 
Link never talks. It's always implied that he's talking, but you never actually hear the, him speak. I don't even think that any <clears throat> words come up that are his word. I don't think he ever talks. No, no, there's there's never like a bubble there's or no anything that comes up. There's no dialect for him up, but ever. But there's, there's always just the responses of like, like I've noticed that in like, uh, what was the newest one, Breath of the Wild, right? Uh-huh. Where like, you know, the, he'll be going up interacting with the characters and the characters will say something like, no need to be rude or like sassy. Right, you know, you actually right. never hear Link okay, say something. Okay, I get what you're saying. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm always curious of like, and then there is a, like a manga, like a Japanese comic book they've made of some of the Zelda stories. And Link does talk in those, you know, he has a little talk uh, bubble and everything. I don't think I'd like to see him talk. I don't either. I think what they could do Mm-hmm. Is give him the fairy, That's and have some of his dialogue go come through the fairy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, right? Uh, and kind of do it that way. Yeah, and I guess just computer animate the fairy, right? Yeah, well, then that's the way I've thought about doing it. Is if you give him like. What were some of the fairy names like Navi or Tattle? Weird. Yeah, the, yeah. If you Tattle uh, or something like that. If yeah. you give them one of those fairies and you make them basically the driving piece of dialogue, exactly. In the entire thing, which is pretty much what it was in the game, right? Yeah. She walked you through. She told you where all the things were. She... But I feel like to really make that work, also, you have to have characters around him at all times that are completely driving the story and not him. You know what I mean? Like the the whole reason the story will have to be driven forward is because of his interactions with everybody else. Well, you could have if you had someone casted who was really good at being the bad guy, yeah, at being Gandalf, mm-hmm. and just like Ganondorf, Ganondorf, yeah. Why do I keep calling him Gandalf? Who's Gandalf? Gandalf from something. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Ah, Ganondorf. Okay, so if you made uh him talk a lot and kind mm-hmm. of showcase him more, yeah, then you could have the bad guy drive the story and just have the the hero like react to well, it. Well, and that's what I th- I've thought because if you had it being more of like like let's say you had a story that started with like Ganondorf basically like kicking down the door of Hyrule Castle, right? And yeah. Then, like, well, he steals you know, the princess. And steals the princess, yeah. right? So if you made this kind of giant interaction between Zelda and, and Ganondorf and you almost make the whole thing with Link saving her almost like a side story to everything. Like he just I almost see. like a character that just happens to be there every time shit hits the fan and just happens to be an see, asset. See, I wouldn't like that. Time. I want him to be the main character. Yeah, see, that's where I think it'd get difficult, not giving him dialogue. Uh, I mean, I get what you're saying, but it it would just have to be cleverly done. It would have to be something that when you watched it, you go, oh, that's clever. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I can't think of it. That's why I'm not making it. Yeah, I I mean, I can't either. I trust that someone out there has a vision that they're like, we could do it this way. Yes. And it'll, it'll work. And I, I feel like it, it will, the Zelda movies are cool or Zelda movies. The Zelda games are cool too. If they were to make them in the movies, because every Zelda game is a different story. Right. So I feel like, yes. yeah, no, they don't. Yeah. They don't flow like one after another. Right. After another. You know, yeah. people, people have made their own connections afterwards, but, <laughs> but story wise, they, one doesn't take, they're all their own the stories. Yeah. So what's cool if you were to make those into movies, especially if like the first one that they make did well. Oh, that's beautiful. Sorry, Matthew just heard this like putty into this nice little swirl, <laughs> swirling <I did>. pattern. <laughs> but anyways, but if you so if you had like a first movie that did well, then you could 
continue on with it and make other movies with different actors, you know, playing the roles of Link and Zelda and stuff, but they're all just different stories with different styles of filmmaking, much like how the games are. You could do that. That personally annoys me. We've talked about that before on the podcast. Um, I personally like to just see one big long story. Uh Uh-huh. And if anything, start with one of the old games. Uh-huh. Probably Ocarina of Time, because that's really that's what made Zelda flagship. blow up. Yeah. I mean, you could argue if it's the most popular or not, but I bet you it's the best selling. It's definitely of what, all of them. Yeah, I'd agree. So maybe start with that, mm-hmm. and then after that, you have the freedom to kind of keep telling the story mm. to like. Here's what you never knew growing up. You know, let us uh, fill in gotcha. some pieces for you now That's and then turn it into like fucking Star Wars or whatever. Where right. it's, who knows where, how far it goes. Mm-hmm. Make it eight episodes long. I don't care. <laughs> right. But I would rather see that than see them do, you know, Breath of the Wild and then right. the Ocarina of Time and then Wind Waker. And that. I would almost want to see. Although that would be cool too, I guess. Well, I, I feel like you could do that, like doing it in the way you're talking, where you make it a whole like long form story, you know, with the yeah, same at least like a trilogy stuff. Yeah. And I, I feel like you would be able to do that. And instead of following like all of the stories, because if you did this, I would cast somebody younger to play, you know, the, the kid link that we know, you mm-hmm. know, and love in a lot of the games. And yeah, because in that game, he is kid link for yeah, part of it and then well, adult link. And then you follow him kind of through these stories. And then, you know, <laughs> after however many movies, you know, I mean, there's there's nine Star Wars movies. There's no reason there can't be nine Zelda movies. Oh, for sure. You know, so after you go through all of this, you have the same actor, you see how he grows up. And instead of just focusing on like ocarina of time or something you have a different kind of like unique long form story but then you through the movies he visits and like meets characters kind of from the different games with like the similar situations but just like so set up differently does that make sense yes and it sounds <clears throat> epic as mm-hmm. fuck it sounds actually really amazing when you put it that way mm-hmm. however i'm getting a lot of scenes of like the Gladiator. Remember that movie? Yes. How that was shot? Uh-huh. Like, forget the story about it. That doesn't matter. But remember how it was shot, like, when he's in the wagon, he's beat up, and he's, yeah. like, on the dirt road, and how it really made you feel like it was there. It was very real. They right. went they went to a deserty place. To, it wasn't, like, computer animated, you know? Right. I would want to see it done like that if they were going to um, make it this epic, like, nine-movie-long, here's a boy growing to be a hero. And yeah. then the last few movies. Maybe even if they put the last few movies out first. Uh-huh. Like, here he is as an adult kicking ass to get us into it. And then right. do, like, Star Wars. Just rip yeah, off Star yeah, Wars. Yeah. Fuck it. You know, they own it anyway. No, they don't. That's Nintendo. <laughs> All right, so, no, no, no. They don't own Star Wars. But Not just yet. rip it off. Whatever. Um, I would just like to see it be very realistically done with like all human actors actually in practical effects. Like when we meet the Gorons, Mm -hmm. I understand that the Gorons are going to be computer animated. Right. I get that. But go to a mountain, go to a real volcano. Yes. You know what I mean? And shoot it there. When you meet the Zora, I get that they're going to be computer animated. But go to a real badass river. Go to the Nile or something. You know what I mean? I would would even argue that 
even with like characters like the Gorons or Zoras, I feel like you wouldn't even have to go computer animated. I mean, you when you th- have, to. I mean, when you think about the Zoras, you know, you really just need to cast a bunch of tall, skinny people. Yeah, make them look. You like know, fish. put prosthetics on them. Exactly, and Goron just the opposite. I wouldn't be upset though mm-hmm. if if they did it that way. Oh no, you no. Know what and I mean, we, if and they computer seen... animated the the yeah. the ghouls and the monsters and shit, I would be okay with that. Oh yeah, I and I would too. I mean, when you when you see the live action but stuff now he no. has to be a real guy he has to be a real guy i've seen a lot of little short film live mm. action stuff where they've what what if instead okay. of a fairy following him around uh-huh if they take this story like you're talking about and it's a spin-off so uh-huh. it's none of the stories we've heard before but all the same characters and we're right. going to delve into it for nine movies uh-huh what if he had like a little girl companion or a sister or something that is a human that is little and innocent and cutesy? And what if just like the That'd game cool. and you know how like in the games, like at least in a couple of them, like there's a different fairy following him around. Yeah. So what in what if in every movie there's a different companion? He just finds himself with a different companion. It's a single story that follows on a larger story. I would just like it to be like. I don't not to be sexist, but a girly cutesy companion because mm-hmm. they're very they're very high pitched fairies usually who right. are cutesy and innocent, but also kind of per, like not promiscuous, but kind of naughty, like like to cause mischief, mischievous okay. is the word for yeah, it. Yeah, I could see that. So I would think like a little sister would be the perfect thing. Yeah, I I think finding some companion like that for each one would actually be very clever. And then when you do kind of a long form story like that, like one thing I think of is, you know how I was saying like you capture the essence and different bits of the storyline from different games. Yeah, yeah. So like what if you made the main long form storyline Ocarina of Time, right? Okay. But so how Ocarina of Time started with basically in so many words his conception when he lived in the village and you know he came from yeah, the started in the village tree and he goes and into the like tree that. and it's the passing and of the tree. And then he goes and does yeah. the stuff. So then well That could be a whole movie right there. Exactly. <laughs> and then at some point too, you know, in the game, halfway through the game, he goes and visits the Temple of Time and he becomes an adult, right? And he's able to do this kind of back and forth stuff. Uh-huh. Well, you can have now a few movies of him a kid before he even gets to that point. Oh, for sure. So the whole long for theme is Ocarina of Time. But then let's say after the first movie, he find he has to go, you know, uh, just how you had to remember in the in Ocarina of Time, you had to find like the three jewels yeah. or whatnot. Uh-huh. So and you had to go to three different temples to find them. Yeah, right? There's a red one. There's a blue one. And there's a green. So one. let's say the first movie, he goes to the temple to get the blue one. Right. Uh-huh. And then that would this, be the water temple, the water temple. There you go. So then the second <laughs> one, let's say he has to go get uh, the, the green one. Right. That's the forest temple. Or so he goes to the forest temple. But on his way in the forest temple, he finds himself in the forest and somebody wearing the Majora's Mask. Oh, the kid, him the off Majora's his horse. Mask kid. Oh, that would be cool. So then that movie becomes, well, I can't go and get to the forest temple until I take care of this Majora problem. But so see, then, I wouldn't want them to then go through the story of the moon and all that stuff. That would be way too long. But right, if they but made a throwback I mean, to it. Like if they just introduced the Skull Kid for a minute uh-huh. or for maybe a movie or whatever and had him be like an antagonist in it, uh-huh. you know, 
I would think that's really cool. And that's what I would say. So then the But I don't want to see thing, the whole story. Like keep it too awkward enough. So you just take the essence of that these would be different badass. things. So then the second movie's about his adventures in Clock Town and now he has to go and do these different things to stop the Majora's mask. And then the third movie is back on his journey to go to the Forest Temple again. Maybe the third movie's about the Forest Temple. But then he meets people in there and like deals with situations from make maybe Breath of the Wild, you know, and like so you kind of capture essences and different things from different games but it's all one large story which is Ocarina of Time dude and there's enough fan fiction that links the games together Mm -hmm. that you could totally do that yes because there's links to um, after you're in the forest with after the Majora's Mask Mm -hmm. of that leading into um, Wind Waker yeah because in the beginning of Wind Waker, there's a foresty thing going on. Uh-huh. And you have to kind of get out of that. It's like a dreamy, foresty kind of scene. Yeah. In the beginning. Do you remember? Uh-huh. Remember that? Yeah, yes. absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, you totally, you would be able to tie them together mm-hmm. into and a then, series of movies. And let's say one of the movies, you just add, uh, what was the temple to get the, the redstone? That was the... Well, that would be the fire temple. The fire temple. So if you have... So then let's say in order to get to the fire temple, you just add something in there where maybe he has... Maybe the fire temple is across this ocean. So he has to go on this boat, on the boat and at, deal with things from there. So you tie them all together. You just But make it's its them, own unique story. Yes. I think that if it was done right, mm-hmm. that could be one of the best movies ever. I think so as well. Like go down for years being watched mm-hmm. and like remembered, and but yeah, then you would that just could be have to, But then you would just have to find a way if you were to make this this giant, you know, multiple movie saga. You would just have to find a way to make it enticing and interesting to listen to or watch without Link talking. So you'd have to really make sure those companions and each of the games are really... Dude, Link can't talk. That would piss I people know, off. I agree with you. That I, would ruin the whole thing. You can't be authentic to Zelda and have Link talk. I agree. It doesn't work. So we got to figure something else out. Yeah, you would have to almost <laughs> make it just nonstop. You know who would, I think could do that very well? Quentin Tarantino. I was just thinking, Quentin Tarantino. I feel like he'd be, because everybody would be having enough interesting dialogue and things going on around where you wouldn't even care if Link's talking. Has there ever been a movie where the hero doesn't talk, but everyone else does? Not that I, I feel like even there has Daredevil to be one talks. There. Yeah. He can't see, but he talks. Right. I mean, I, I feel like there, well, there's there gotta be something. Well, there's been movies where nobody's talked. Yeah, I know, you know? and I'm thinking of that one too. Yeah, and, oh, but no, whatever. I don't think that counts. I a mean, silent plays. Maybe another uh, director du- director duo that could do it is the the Cohen brothers. They're the ones who did uh, like the Big Lebowski and they oh. did the True Grit remake and yeah. Yeah, they could rock it. Well, one thing they're famous for as filmmakers is. They're famous for making films where the main character doesn't drive the story. Everything that's happening around them drives the story. Oh, that would be perfect. So, for that, like, then. if you remember the Big Lebowski, what was his whole thing? He just wanted somebody to re. I think it was like his rug. He wanted somebody to replace his rug. Right. You know, but he kept getting himself in these situations because of everything that was happening around him. You know, people thought he was involved in shit that he wasn't, and <laughs> he just kept saying, "I just want my fucking rug replaced." So, okay, so something like that would work mm-hmm. for because usually Zelda starts with just Link being woken up 
saying, yes. "Hey, you need to you need to you save need to the do world. Something, yeah. Go save the world." Oh, and you yeah. know what? They actually did make. Uh, it was a short film, but this short film, the the main character did not speak at all, and it was like a, a 10, 15 minute short film, and it was with the main character was uh, Steve Buscemi, the. <laughs> You know who he is, right? The, I think I know who he Steve, is. Steve Buscemi. Let me see if I can find a picture of him. Crazy one? He was, he, he's been crazy. He's in a lot of Adam Sandler movies. But Show uh, him to me. I'm pretty sure I know who he is. I, I feel like you do also. You'll have to recognize him. He was in Spy Kids 2. That's one a lot of younger people recognize him from. Uh, this guy. Let's, let's... Oh yeah, I love that dude. Okay. He's in a ton of Adam Sandler yes, movies. Yes. So the Cohen brothers made this like 10, 15 minutes short where it was just him sitting in like a subway in France. And he was looking across the the tracks and he saw these uh two the this couple like making out and he was just like staring at them, right? And then uh-huh. one the guy of uh, the guy of the couple like noticed him and was like yelling at him and he was acting like he wasn't looking. Meanwhile, there was a little side story of this like rowdy kid and his mother sitting next to him that he was having issues with. But the entire time you were enticed and watching and figuring out what's going to happen. But his character didn't speak at all, didn't utter a sound or a huh. word. So maybe they would be the best ones to get for that. Dude, does, um, so you know how like India, their film mm-hmm. industry is called Bollywood? Yeah. And we have Hollywood here in America. Uh-huh. Does France have one that that's called something? I don't think so. Because but... French, the French people or from the country, whatever, however you would say that, French films are fucking awesome. And they're, oh, the French ones I've are seen, some of the best filmmakers. They are deep. The mm-hmm. story is deep. I don't want to be too like general because I haven't seen every single French movie, obviously. No, you're. But you're the ones on I've point, seen, though. dude, are they're subtitles, but you're the <clears throat> most into them. Yes, they are just story driven. The the French and. Uh, the French make some I've seen a lot of French films and they make uh-huh. some really cool fucking films. One of my They're always a little bit off the wall. Like make yeah, you think a they're little artsy, definitely. They're, definitely they're always artsy, artsy fartsy yeah. movies. Yes. They're they're definitely films for filmmakers, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But they uh one of my favorite French directors, probably my most favorite French director, is this gentleman named Lars von Trier. And oh. he's very well known in the film industry. But he makes very off the wall and controversial films. But they're like you watch them and they're super just like they're they're definitely like make you think films. Yes, I understand what you mean. And he's somebody who definitely like delves into like they're just creative. Like the way that the Twilight Zone, when you watch Uh an episode of it, nothing. No single thing in a Twilight Zone episode is out of this world. Mm -hmm. But the way that they put it all together, you go, oh, fuck. I never really exactly thought of that before. That's what a French film is for me. Yes. Is nothing alone is anything different than any other film. Mm -hmm. But the way they put it together and the twist they'll make the characters go through. Yes. They don't rely on jumps. They don't rely on gore the way that a lot of other movies do. It. I don't know. I don't want to prop them up too much because, like I said, I've only seen a, a handful. Well, but I've really enjoyed the French movies that I've seen. I, dude. And I, I mean, I would urge anybody out there to 
you know, take a gander at some Check of them. Check them out. You know, I literally don't even have one that I could I could offer you a name of. Oh, I, I can offer you. I've a only couple. seen them in passing. There's there's one that was popular last year that I believe is still on Netflix that I watched and enjoyed, and it was called Raw. And it was about this French girl, and it's been a while since I've seen it, so I'll try to summarize it best I can. But it's about this girl going to school, and I can't remember how it happens, but she basically finds out that she has this, like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not an appetite for human flesh. Oh, see? That kind of stuff. Well, and then, like, through the film, you know, she's kind of going through the, like, trying to fight this compulsion that she has. Uh And then she finds out that her sister also has this compulsion. Her sister's basically like, okay, here's how you deal with it. Here's how you, like, live with this compulsion that you have and like oh, wow. it's like it was a very interesting film and so that one's on netflix uh a two-part movie on netflix by lars von Trier that's on there is called it's the nymphomaniac movie and it's two parts i've always seen that and i've never watched it it is i've scrolled by that probably a hundred times it is a fucking intense movie but it is fantastic Fantastic. Really? Well, even just the way that it opens up, you know, the best movies have good contrast in them between characters. Right. So it opens up uh, with this woman, the nymphomaniac, basically like lying down. That means someone who's addicted to sex. Oh, yeah. For those who just in case anyone's illiterate. So there, there. It starts off with this woman, the nymphomaniac, like laying in an alleyway, like looking beat up. You know, and a gentleman comes to her aid and says, you know, like brings her into his house and, you know, takes care of her and basically, you know, gets her back into health. Okay. But they start talking and everything mm. and you have this per and the whole thing is like you have I this nymphomaniac. Well, they don't. And here's <gasps> the funny thing. So you have this nymphomaniac who's talking to somebody who's uh there's a word for it, but I can't remember, but somebody who doesn't like desire sex at all. Like they just don't care about it. They Probably something with it's abs- called like asexual ab- or, or something. something. There are people out there who consider themselves asexual where they just don't have any desire for sex at all. So okay. she so she finds herself with this gentleman now that she's like telling her story to, and this guy's explaining to her, you know, she's explaining why sex means so much to her, and he's explaining why sex doesn't mean anything to him. How and interesting. So, so through that, she starts to tell his story and something that was super interesting about it, something that it, like it hits you with like towards the end. It, it doesn't ruin anything in the film, but obviously the, the story is about, you know, her being promiscuous and like going and finding me- random men to have sex with and da da. Right. And I remember the guy that she's talking to says something really profound that made me think through after watching this whole story. And he starts to summarize the story of like, like, you know, she used to go into these trains and find random men married or not and have competitions of how many they could sleep with her or her friend and like how, you know, she used Jeez. to, she like found random people on the street to just fuck because she wanted <laughs> to and stuff like that. But going through all these things and the guy summarizing this and he goes, I find it funny how if you told that story to people and you were a man, they wouldn't look at it as being weird at all. Oh, yeah, that's true. Huh? You know, so it's yeah. like it was just one of those like there's a lot of moments like that in that two part film. That's oh, really that sounds, interesting. I can't believe I have passed that up so many times. Yeah, trust me, I did, too. It wasn't until Vince actually told me about it and was like adamantly uh, to watch Vince. this movie. 
But and then not to, not to rant on about French films for too long, but another one out there by the same director. If you guys want something a little that's a little less raunchy, is a movie called Melancholia, which is a it's literally just about an exoplanet that's going to hit the Earth and how. A oh family, my lord! I have dreams about that. I know that. you do. No, no. <laughs> but it's oh, just, have I ever told the viewers about those? I feel like you've mentioned. I feel like we talked I don't about think it. You've the, gone to like so I have. <clears throat> It's kind of hard for me to talk about. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I have very detailed uh, dreams about objects, planets, stars, all kinds of shit. They're different every time. But extraterrestrial bodies, big ones, uh-huh. slowly but surely running into the earth. Ugh. Like just... To the point, like, you see it get bigger and bigger and bigger in the sky That's from a little smoothie. dot until it's just <laughs> giant. It takes up the whole sky, yeah. and then things get really, really hot, mm-hmm. and then it's just fucking the dream's over because it collides, right? Right. But, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not, I dream about that often. Not a movie for you, then. No! It's horrible. <laughs> That's literally I don't even know where my brain got it from. I don't either. That's I have crazy. no idea. It's got to mean something. The first thing I always think of when you when you first told me about those dreams was because the the first time I ever saw that kind of thing in a movie was they made there was a movie called The Time Machine that they did a remake of in like uh-huh. the early two thousands, and at one point is this guy from like you know he's from like America the eighteen hundreds you know and as he's like in this time machine going forward he reaches a point in the future where like he comes out and there's these like soldiers trying to to like evacuate everybody and he looks up and that's the moon's like slowly just coming into the earth oh my gosh yeah well i mean the first place i probably saw it ever mm-hmm. was majora's mask oh yeah because that game's all about the moon slowly uh-huh. hitting the earth yeah so but i didn't start dreaming about it until i was a young adult yeah yeah <laughs> it's traumatizing bro it's hard oh, man because it I mean, whatever. This isn't a dream podcast. <laughs> it's just so real. It's just yeah. so real. It's like, fuck. Uh, and it's, then, it's so funny what's like considered. You said this is a dream podcast, but I feel like it's going to become that right now. <laughs> All right, let's do it. But it, it's funny to me the things that are nightmares to people and how uh-huh. like there are some nightmares to some people and some not to other ones. Because like me, for example... I've had dreams before where I'm being like chased by some like otherworldly creature or some monster or whatnot. I've had those dreams before, but I never like wake up in like a sweat or anything or like look at the dream as a nightmare. I don't interpret it as a nightmare. I just kind of wake up and I'm like, oh, well, you know, that was, that was quite the adventure I just had, you know, in my dream kind (laughs) of thing. But dreams I do have that fucking make me wake up like that. Like there's a recurring nightmare that I get and I'm always in a car and I'm always with my brother and I'm driving and I'm on this road that looks like a hot wheels track, like an oh, orange cool. hot wheels track. Yeah. Right. And it's, and it's always so there's orange. a loopy loop in it. Obviously and there's a lot of loopy loops. Oh in boy. It. So, and I always find myself like, Driving on a straight road, I'm not really rooted to the ground. It feels like we're way up, like, like miles and miles and miles and miles and miles. So you up have that like ground. that like 
um, falling feeling going on. Not, like- not even the falling feeling, at least not yet. I'm on just this straight path. And then coming up, you can see the road starts to go up at, at basically a 90 degree angle. Oh my God. And there's like loops and turns, right? Like, like so much and so high to where like the clouds are like, you know, going in and out of this oh, kind you know, of badass. highway, okay. right? All right. It sounds badass, you know, and as I'm driving <sighs> up to it, there's obviously other cars you see going around these loops and upside down and stuff like that obviously but i always reach to it and i'm like i'm not going to like i don't know how these people are driving this because i'm not going to be able to do it oh shit. so i i always get to the point where like i'm going up at like this 90 degree angle and i'm like really fucking trying to get my car to fucking <laughs> do it. And i'm pushing on the gas but i'm not able to fucking get it to reach the kind of speed it needs to to go so then i either start falling off of the track or i start oh, falling backwards no. down the track and every time right before that happens like i wake up but i always it's it's my most anxiety ridden dream and right. i fucking How crazy. hate it yeah it's weird like see nothing about that sounds terrifying but see? i completely believe you that it hits a chord well, with you. And, th- and that's what i mean so it's just so funny these things that other people consider nightmare because like the dream that you're talking about was something oh. like hitting i've had those dreams before and i'm always the one who will wake up and i'm like <laughs> cool <laughs> you not know? me <laughs> obviously not me i'll be like holy fuck that was intense yeah dude dreams dreams are fucking crazy but french films man check those out another, <laughs> french films <laughs> another uh other crazy filmmakers out there are the spanish like from really? spain they make some i don't very... know if i've ever seen a spanish film um you have you, you saw the revenant right that was a spanish film Oh really? The, the Reverend they didn't yeah. speak Spanish in it though. No, no, but it was like made by a like iconic like Spanish director in the sense of like he embraces those kind of like filmmaking techniques that you see a lot in like Spanish films. Like one film that he did, and I think I've talked about on the podcast before. I'm trying to think if I like The Reverend or not. Yeah, The Reverend was an interesting one. There's uh, another one is like the guy who did, um, his name's Alfonso Cuaron. He did like Gravity, the Sandy B. Sandy B in space. Yeah. Yeah. I know Gravity. Yeah. So there's. It was ridiculous. It was ridiculous. (laughs) But like that's, that's kind of like what you get with Spanish films though. There's always this weird kind of like fantasy-esque I can't speak for the Reverend because I haven't seen right. it, but I know like the film that that particular director did before was uh, the Birdman that actually won Best Picture when it came out, and there was definitely some like fantasy esque stuff in that movie when it was you know rooted in like realism. I okay, so yeah, I would say that there's with the Revenant, Reverend, whatever, however you say one it. of those Re- Reverend, Reverend. Reverend? Reverend, Reverend. I think I with that movie, <laughs> um, it it was definitely realistic. Uh-huh. Definitely, like it was set in realism, <clears throat> but a lot of fantastic things happened. Like what? Not fantastic, like great, but like fantastic, like you probably wouldn't have walked away from that in real life, mm-hmm. but you did in the movie, right? Like, I mean, there's one big one that involves a horse getting fucked up really bad. And him mm-hmm. killing it. And he's in the snow, obviously. Right. So he cuts his horse open and he sleeps in it. Mm. You know, stuff like that. Like, realistic, you could do that. Uh-huh. But who the fuck does that? Right. You know what I mean? I feel you. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. So, like, just things like that. But definitely, like, the whole movie is just about um, 
really know what the <laughs> fucking sure. movie is about. <laughs> well, no, I know what it's about. It's about him avenging his his quote unquote son that gets killed. Gotcha. Is basically what it is. It, but he's a trapper. Uh-huh. He's a trapper in the New World, so in America. Mm-hmm. But before it was America, like mm-hmm. way back. I would say even before the Pilgrim times, like oh, when okay. it was just barely being colonized. He was a trapper. Oh, gotcha. And the Native Americans attack him and the other trappers when they're doing their thing. And through the course of that, he gets betrayed by one of his own people. Mm-hmm. And they kill his son, young man, <laughs> friend thing. Yeah. And then he gets pissed about that, but he's fucked up because he keeps getting fucked up over and over in the movie. Uh-huh. Like he never has a moment. Leo never has a moment where he's at a hundred percent and he can just fight right. or like do something. Like he's constantly beat up reason. or fucked up or like limping away from a situation. Right. Constantly. So just that. There was not his not his best. Not role, my favorite film of his. I feel yeah. And I love Leo. Well, in in terms of like the the Spanish movies, and and I'm much more familiar with French movies than I am Spanish. So I I can't give a lot of examples, but one I can give is like Birdman, and one of the things that they that this I think of the basketball player director. <laughs> I know you do, but one thing that this director does in that movie is it follows this actor who's basically. Kind of, sort of a has been, but just has like an ego through the roof, right? Okay. And it's him dealing with that ego and everybody around him dealing with that ego. So in the film, there are points where like, like I think the film opens up on him where the camera like pans into the room and you see him like meditating, but he's like floating in the air, right? Okay. But the whole, at least the way I interpret it, because nobody else sees this, nobody else like, you know... It's never mentioned that, like, oh, he's psychic or anything through it, right? Okay. So it's almost like it's this physical manifestation that the director chose to represent how high this guy thinks of himself. That's what I would think also, you know? yes. So And there's a lot of that throughout the movie. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting way to, like, tell a story, you know? I like that. But th- you see that a lot in Spanish films. They'll take that kind of uh, fantasism... And put huh. that kind of stuff in there. So Gravity, they did that when George Clooney came back, you know, as like this entity, you know, to came back in Sandy B's yeah. dreams and was like, oh, you could just turn it off or you can go That's on. That's the one where they cut the fucking space suits at the hands so that they could use it as jets and jet back to each other because they were floating off. Is that no, that I, one? I think that I think you're thinking of The Martian with Matt Damon. That's how Matt Damon was... got back to the oh, ship. Oh, that is. Oh, he cuts the. Yeah, he was like, "I'm the... gonna Iron Man it." Remember that? Yeah, I remember yeah, that. Yeah. I hated that part. <laughs> fucking dumbass shit. That was no, that the did, stupidest that did, fucking bullshit I ever saw. That definitely did not happen in Gravity. In Gravity. Okay. All right. That good. Good. But then Gravity. Were... Gravity's solid. Yeah, right. Gravity is solid, but. But there's there was another Spanish movie that Justin and I watched that, I think it was called Skins. Oh boy, that doesn't sound great. Oh my gosh, it was that sounds so, like cannibals. It was so weird, Matthew. So are we talking about some Hannibal Lecter shit? No, 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 no. Oh. weirder. Oh well, weirder. how could you fucking be weirder than Hannibal Lecter? So the entire movie follows these. It's basically a movie about people with physical defects trying to find love. 
about. Oh, that sounds really uncomfortable. But but the defects that people have, that some of the people have in there, are just like super weird. So there's this. Oh, no. So, like, one of the characters is this girl that. Base, that this like older woman like prostitutes out like whores oh. out to people but she has no eyes but so and one of her security things this girl with no eyes has is she has like these two like jewels that she'll like put on like there's no sockets or anything it's literally just like clear okay and she'll put these two jewels where her eyes are supposed to be and it's like it's a like security silent hill for her just, like just a flesh head yeah just a flesh head and then, Ooh. like, there's another girl who has dead serious. She has a butthole where her mouth is and a mouth where her butthole should be. She's a butt face. She's a butt face, literally. Oh, I'm sure that's you a know? real thing that's happened before. It's. I'm sorry. I don't think I had so. a I had a friend <laughs> whose brother was born without a butthole. I've heard of those before. I've also heard had a colon had of, all the other things it needed, mm-hmm. just no cheeks and no butthole. They had to give it a butt, give him a butthole. So I've heard of those instances. I've also heard of people Shut that it. didn't have like the cheeks, didn't have like an actual butt, but they did have the hole. Oh, and they had yeah. I've I've read a couple stories like that. I don't think anybody's had a like a butthole on their face though. That would be a pretty freak mess up of anatomy. Yes, 100%. But but those were the kind of like physical defects people had in it. And then it was, and the, the movie was just that. It was about all of them finding love, you know, but it was just so, told in a very weird way. It's funny you bring that up because I actually saw a real documentary mm-hmm. about real life people who actually exist that this happened to. Yeah. And it was, um, they were both normal. Well, they were both biologically average when they were born right Uh so they had everything in the normal place of what everyone else has everything worked normally okay so one dude grew up and he became um he worked on like telephone wires okay like the power lines Uh power lines okay and he got shocked to shit one day and it shocked his face off literally like it burned, it melted Ugh. his face off. That's horrible. Okay, but he lived. Right. And they fixed him, and he, you know, he was healed. But his face was literally melted. It was fucked up. Ugh. Okay. So obviously he didn't look like most other people. So dating was kind of an issue for him, right? Mm-hmm. But he could still talk. Right. Like they gave him a mouth again, and he could talk, and he sounded legit. Like mm-hmm. his voice wasn't fucked up from this. Right. So it was about the documentary is about how he ended up finding love with. A blind chick. Oh, how interesting. Yeah. So she was really pretty, but she was blind. Uh-huh. So she didn't give a shit that he was melt face that his face was melted. Uh-huh. But he still sounded great, like Rico Suave. His voice was still nice. Uh-huh. So she got the pleasure of a of a beautiful or well not like a very strong masculine man voice. Right. And his hands and everything were the same. So when, you know, he touched her and stuff, she it felt like she was with a regular guy. Uh-huh. She didn't give a shit that his face was melted. Oh, how and cute. he didn't give a shit that she was blind because he felt more secure and right. she was still super beautiful. Like it just so happened that she was a really pretty girl who got blind. Oh, well, good yeah. for that. So it worked out perfect yeah. for her. So there really is, guys, there really is someone out there who, who it could work with. Oh, no matter abs- what your situation is. Absolutely. I, there is I someone in a similar that. situation. Well, and it's funny you actually say that because that ended up kind of being the lesson to 
to the end of this movie because oh, yeah? because you had all these people with defects who were trying to find love and they all you know spoiler alert they all find love but right. but it's like these like you would never think it works but it does it just because works of what it is uh-huh. with each other so How like interesting. so like the girl with the the butthole mouth like there's there's <laughs> oh, one normal guy they follow through this entire thing you know uh-huh. no physical defects or anything but he happens to have a kink where he's very attracted to people with physical defects. Oh, wow. So then she ends up finding the the way her story wraps up is she ends up meeting this guy and finding love with him because See? he just it works out for her. And the same thing with the girl with the jewels on the eyes and some of the other ones they follow. But very interesting film and I feel like with the Spanish movies that I have seen that's that film there is kind of the epitome of what you get with like Spanish filmmaking where you get that like that fantasism rooted in realism it with is, like a moral behind it yeah and there always is a moral and that's what's cool about it but it's just told mm. in a very obnoxious out of this world way <laughs> and I feel like the, the the Spanish filmmakers are able to kind of pull that back a little bit are the ones you end up seeing you know with films like The Reverend or Birdman or any of the, you know Gravity Children of Men any of these other kind of more Spanish-esque films that come out but it's, it's really interesting and that it, it's cool looking at the different cultures and seeing the kind of movies they produce because you see that with like you brought up Bollywood at the very beginning uh-huh. and I've seen a few Bollywood movies. They're very musical. They're always very, very, very dancey musical, which is so funny Flashy. because it doesn't matter if it's an action movie, a drama, a comedy. It doesn't matter. Always musical numbers in it. Yes. Always. Well, I think that's like literally part of the culture of yeah. it is it's I have no idea where it stems from or where it came from or anything about it. But no, I, mean, I do know that they there's always singing and dancing in every one of they're them. They're good though. I've Yeah, they're very entertaining. I've, beautiful, beautiful costumes oh, and yeah. scenery. Oh, gorgeous. And and the ones that I've seen. I'm sure mm-hmm. there's ones about poor people too, but Right. Yeah. Well, some of the some of the best films that I've seen just come out of the world at all are Chinese films, dude. Really? Chinese. Oh yeah. They have the number one film market in the world. I'm pretty sure that the Chinese invented the camera. No, it was the French. Pretty sure that the Chinese invented the lens. They might have invented the lens. They did not invent the camera, though. Something like that. Because it was the Luminaire brothers who invented that. Or invented the film in general, I should say. But they may have invented the lens, for sure. I think it was, it was something like that. They uh-huh. used it to look at the stars. It used to be in a box. You would walk into this like room, and you could look through this thing. And say, to look at the stars? I think so. I remember watching something about this. It was either that the camera or the lens that came from... China. I'm pretty like way back in the way earlier than you would think, bro. Well, I can well because I can tell you how how the camera was invented. So the video camera was invented, and oh, I mean like picture camera. Does that make a difference? Oh yes, that does make a difference. Okay, I, th- I thought you were talking about like film camera. No, 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 no picture, like camera. picture camera. Okay, so I, I in that case, that. Yeah. I believe that the Chi- I think the Chinese created the picture camera, okay. and it was like the size of a room when they first did it. That makes you sense. you had to like walk, you had to open a door and walk into it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. 
Yeah. Because that's because yeah because I know that like the old like fashion like photographs that you see and everything now it literally required you just as you said to walk into a room. And then, like, the reason why uh, – one of the little fun facts about old pictures, the reason why you never see anybody smiling in them is because you had to sit there for a while to be able to, to capture oh, all the interesting. image. So when they went in there and sat, you know, it can get tiresome having to, like, hold a smile for five, ten minutes. Oh, Whereas, like, if you're just sitting there still, straight face, it's a lot easier to accomplish. And then, you know, they were, it was able to take in all the light it needed and they were able to get the picture out of it. But yeah. Well, tell us about the video camera. So How did the, my people invent that? I'm so French. the video camera, and I can't remember this particular instant. I know what, like, some of the very first filmmakers came out of France. Okay. France. As far as, like, the inventors of the camera, though, it, it might have been somewhere else, but I know it was Europe. Okay. And <clears throat> it was, so it was a bunch of rich people. No, you're kidding. That got together. And they were into horse racing. Okay. And they got into this debate one time and they said, and you had some of the people who were saying, uh, when a horse runs, all four of their legs leave the ground at some point. And you had another guy that was like, no, that doesn't happen. All of their legs stay on the ground. There's always a leg touching the ground. So they had an argument. So the way that they were able to solve this argument is they took a bunch of cameras and they put them up against the track. And as the horse ran past, all the cameras would go off as the horse would run past it. Oh, interesting. So then, then there were picture cameras, a bunch of picture cameras. A bunch of picture cameras. So then they found out that if you played these pictures as they were going through the slideshow. If you flip them one after another. And if you do it fast enough, it, looks like it the makes horse it look running. like it's moving. Oh. And that was the start of it. Now, where it went first, then somebody was like, oh, we can, like, make a device out of this. So they and just made a did. device that shot a bunch of pictures over and over. Because really, a, a camcorder, it, yeah. it just shoots a bunch of pictures, a bunch of frames yes. over and over and over and over and over. Exactly. And it plays them. Mm-hmm. Even to this day, right? Even, like, a digital camera, that's still, in essence, what it's doing. Yes. It's just 100%. picking up frame after frame after frame. Yep. It's just taking a bunch of pictures. That's cool. That's how they did it. That's cool. And then it was some of the first... Uh, filmmakers ever were the luminaire were the I, I think it's lumiere brothers lumiere 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 <laughs> with some phlegm at the you end get, <laughs> <laughs> but they uh, were some of the first filmmakers and one of the first films that they did that they actually showed in a the theater to people was it, it wasn't of any any there wasn't a story or anything it was simply just it, they had a camera it was angled um, at like a train station where you had like the track coming in at like almost like a, I'd say like a 45 degree angle into the picture. Uh-huh. And then you could see the people on the right side waiting for the train to come in. Well, so the train started to come in and people in the theater literally screamed and jumped because they thought, really? the, cause they thought yeah, it's, it's in the history books because they thought the train was going to come out and hit them. Nobody had ever what? seen a moving moving video before. They're like, what the fuck yeah. is this? Nobody ever saw that stuff before. So when they started to see this uh, train coming in, there were people who uh-huh. literally like flinched and like got up because they didn't know what the fuck was happening. How funny. Yeah, it was like witchcraft to them. Witchcraft. <laughs> Burn them all. <laughs> So there was one of the first, I think, uh, if you go onto YouTube, I think you can actually find the very first 
uh, at least that we have recorded uh, video footage ever. And it's literally just, it's sometime in the 1800s, um, somewhere in Europe. And it looks like people coming out of like a commune or like a church or something like that. But it's just like, it's just like 20 seconds of a bunch of people walking out of this, like walking in and out. That's the first thing someone chose to record ever. Well, if it was just testing, sure. I mean, I'm sure they created some testing, testing. I'm sure they just created something and they were like, hey, let's set it up here and see how well it works, you know? Probably. And then they're like, oh, shit, it worked. Yeah. Save that. <laughs> Save that forever. <laughs> Put it on a hard drive. <laughs> What's a hard drive, sir? <laughs> Don't worry about it. You'll justice. know in 100 or so years. <laughs> you'll, you'll know about it. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We were just I was just talking about this today with you, but come the 2020s, we're going to be at a point where there are going to be films you can go back and watch, and they're going to be 100 years old. Yeah, like Charlie Chapman and stuff, Charlie right? Chaplin, He'll, for that, sure. Those will be like 100 years old. Yeah, I think the first like silent film came out in like, I want to say uh, 1922, 23? Sounds correct So around I don't know like, exactly, but I mean, it sounds correct. <laughs> so like around I that... know in the game, the movies... Mm-hmm. If that has any historical value whatsoever, you start in the year 1990. For Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. I don't know if that... Or, I'm sorry. 1920. Yeah, yes. I was going to say, I was like, I don't think that's right. But. My brain was seeing 1920s. <laughs> 1920. But uh, that's when, like, uh, Ch- Chaplin started to make movies. Chaplin started more in the 30s. But that's when you got things like Nosferatu and a lot of the, Ger- a lot of the Germans made some of the first silent films who was that nosferatu you'd recognize him if i showed you a picture of him but he's like the first like on-camera vampire does he have a crazy mustache no 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 he looks like he looks like a crazy like monster vampire kind of thing it was a silent film though oh is he bald but yeah he's bald oh i know i know you're talking about pointy ear yeah Yeah. Uh but um that was like one of the that was a german film germans were really big at making these like dark like silent films Creepy. Yeah, it was quite funny, but it, it's funny like actually how oh much darker than that. Oh really? Yeah, there oh. there are some films I go you back. You said dark, and I was like Adam's Family. Adam's Family. <laughs> That's definitely darker. That's but, as dark as I get. <laughs> but like, oh man, there was there was one silent film I watched that actually the the villain, the Joker from the Batman, is actually based off of the main character from this movie. And it was oh, wow. a, it was a silent film. I think it's German. And it's called The Man Who Smiles. And it's about this guy who had this, like, curse put on him by a gypsy where he just always had this giant smile on his face and he could never not smile. So well, luckily, it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown. So he wasn't working the hardest he had to. Oh, well, there you go. Silver lining and everything. But <laughs> but anyway. I had watched this film. That's what the Joker was based off of. That was the Joker was That's based off cool. of. But I watched this film and, dude, it was just fucking dark. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it is a You're like, what dark, did I just watch? Yeah, like, for sure. There Why was like did a, I do that? There was like a clip I watched where it was this guy almost like because at some point he's like in a circus like a freak show kind of thing and there was this guy introducing him but remember it's silent film everybody's used to theater at this point so everybody's very over the top with their acting and stuff 
And there was this gentleman that's like basically introducing him. You know, they used to do like they'd show clips and then they'd go to like a subtitle screen to show yeah. what they're saying uh-huh. and stuff. Uh-huh. So like this guy was just like tears down his face and just looks so distraught. It's just creepy. Then they have like the music behind it and it's just uh-huh. super fucking creepy. And you're just like, super Jesus weird. Christ. Like, come on, guys. I bet in Germany at the time it was totally normal. Oh, I'm sure it was. They made a lot of fucking films like that. Yeah. There's there's a lot of weird ones out there, dude. But that, but I mean, look where they uh, look where they've brought us to. Look where we are today. They've brought us possible live action the, Zelda movies. <laughs> there would be no new media had there not been old media. Yeah, right? dude. And it's it's. I'm very interested to see where the train's gonna take us, man. Choo-choo. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, we are at our time for the day. I'm shocked it's already been an hour to tell you the truth. Honestly, I am too. I was uh, expecting. So we, as we get to the end here, or when we feel like it's the end, I put my um, the laptop we f- uh, record the sound on. I put it on black, and then we'll like lighten the screen to find out what time we're at. And I was expecting us to be at like 45 minutes or Me something. Too. When I saw the hour, I was like, "Whoa!" I was like, "Oh, we're here. Oh. Here we are." <laughs> hey, you know when you're good, you're good. When you're good, <laughs> you're good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to today uh, to today's podcast. Remember, you can follow us on all the social media platforms, and remember, we do have a Patreon: www.patreon.com forward slash hardly millennial. And any final thoughts, Matthew? I can't wait to do this again tomorrow. I'm so excited. Me too. Make sure you're here, guys. See you there. Bye-bye. Bye.